0: You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Chapter 14. And uh, we're continuing in, uh, I guess you'd say, a series on the spiritual gifts. The agency of the Holy Spirit has poured out these gifts. Uh, And last week, we learned about the spiritual gift of prophecy and how it manifests in the church. And for those of you, whether maybe you weren't here or or what have you, a prophetic word a revelation, and that's what it is, it's a revelation, not only discloses what is unknown, and even hidden, but also offers a timely instruction, a timely word in season, intended to help us live out God's assignment for our lives, intended for us to turn to him in worshipful obedience to his will and purpose for our lives. And as we looked at the uh, Corinthians 12 through 13 last week, we saw that these are authoritative words inspired by the Holy Spirit, in conformity with the foundation of Scripture as established by the prophets and the apostles, and it needs to be exercised in love. Because without love, there cannot be true edification. Uh, And so here we see Paul then shifts his attention regarding the spiritual gifts, and he exhorts believers that if you've been given a spiritual gift, including prophecy, it's important to use it responsibly, and in order, responsibly and in order. And this is very important uh, as we look to verses uh, 29 through 33, and we'll see how Paul gets into this etiquette of employing the spiritual gifts, including prophecy. And so he says here, uh, beginning, actually, we'll just go right from verse 26, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for the building up. If anyone speaks another tongue, there are to be only two, or at the most three, each in turn and let someone interpret. But there is no interpreter. That person is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. But if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. Don't forget that verse. So that everyone may learn and be encouraged. And the prophets are subject, or sorry, the prophet's spirit are subject to the prophets. Since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, women should be silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak, which we're going to get into that, but are to submit themselves, as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, since it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate from you, or did it come to you only? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in other tongues, but everything is to be done decently and in order. And so Paul gets into this again, as I said, the etiquette of employment of the spiritual gifts. And right off the hop where it says here, women are not permitted to speak in the church. This was a time in which the women weren't, essentially new to the faith, were learning the ropes, if you will, about the faith, and they were asking a lot of questions when the believers would assemble together, and it was very um, disorderly. It was disrupting the gatherings. It, it doesn't mean that women, this is good, you can clap even if you want, that you are, you know, gifted by the Holy Spirit and, and to speak and operate within the church, but this was a different time. This is what was occurring, and so there was disorder. So the focus here of uh, this passage of this etiquette isn't about a woman's role in the church, but it's speaking to order and peace in the church for the sake of unity. And so I'm one of the people will say right off the hop, I am not one of those who take the small section of scripture and say, women, I'm sorry, you got to keep silent. Amen. Because there's other parts here where he says, you know, if there's a prophet among you speaking and another person gets a word, it says, well, you need to stay silent so the other can speak. Well, does that mean we would stop speaking and prophesying altogether? No. We're to do so orderly and peacefully. And so here, ladies, you can, you know, rest easy here that you have a place in the church of God and God speaks through you and uses you just as mightily as men. Amen. And so as we continue to look at this etiquette, there are three nugget points that I'd like for you to walk away with here today. One of them is, the prophetic will operate in line with scripture. And we looked at that last week. But the big piece in conjunction with that is, don't neglect evaluating the word that is given. Don't neglect the evaluation of the word. That's important. Number two, the prophetic word will affect life transformation true to the life example of Jesus. Whatever prophetic word is given, it will reflect the true character and life example of Christ. If it doesn't, it's not the spirit of God. Number three, in the excitement to be of service, to be used with the spiritual gifts, don't steamroll others. Don't make it about yourself. Don't seek the limelight, but seek to serve others. That's the key of service, to serve others. So these are the three nuggets. And to help today, we have from the screen, the big idea is this. Whenever believers assemble, the manifestation of the Spirit is to be orderly and cultivate peace. The manifestation of the Spirit is to be orderly and cultivate Peace. Orderly and cultivate peace. And so the title here, if you like titles, A Spiritual Symphony Unleashing Spiritual Gifts in Unity. So the Apostle Paul, he gives helpful guidelines. The last time you assembled something at home, or maybe for a friend, manuals are very helpful. Maybe you're someone like here today, Graham, I'm looking at you, buddy, that just prefers to see, I see that manual, but I'm not going to use it. I'm going to eyeball it. You know, I know what's going on. I got this figured out. And you know what? We have wisdom. We have the mind of Christ. Amen? (laughs) But there is a time when manuals are very helpful. Here, Paul is giving us a manual of helpful instruction regarding the manifestation of the spirit and when it occurs. This house etiquette. You know, etiquette, it's one of those things that makes every gathering more enjoyable. Whenever you go to someone's house and you sit down to have a meal, it's proper etiquette to chew with your mouth closed. It's proper etiquette to have your napkin in hand and not being like a Marine. I'm not bashing Marines, but just saying, where you just guard the house and you're stomping it in because you're under, you're under a time crunch. Etiquette is everything. And in this place, Paul is showing us when we meet together... When you're mindful of this etiquette, there can be true unity and and harmony. You can enjoy your time together. You won't be disgusted with one another. What or why does order matter? Paul shows us here, order and peace are important to God because it is the Lord's command. He emphasizes here in verse 37, what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. Just like with prophecy... We can't get bent out of shape here because he's saying, he's emphasizing, what I'm telling you is from the Lord, and you should be wise to listen. If you think you're a prophet and you operate in the prophetic, this is for you. And so all of us here, we read the word of God for ourselves. We have this personal knowledge of the word. We know full well that Jesus calls us to follow him and obey him. And last time I checked, part of believing in Jesus is obeying him. Believing is to obey. You can't have one exclusive of the other. And yet it's extremely popular in today's world. Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. Right? And then you go the rest of the week and you, you get caught with your pants down, all these other kinds of things. You not have one exclusive of the other. You know, I heard that from a preacher once, and I don't think I delivered the timing very well, but you get the idea. <laughs> you know, Satan... And his fallen angels are a prime example of this believing but not obeying. In many respects, Satan is like this master theologian and his fallen angels are right there with him. They know a lot about God. In fact, they affirm God. Even the demons when they came to Paul, they said, you know, we know Jesus. We know God, but who are you? They know a lot about God. They affirm God's existence, but willfully choose not to love him. Serving as this counteragency, this terrorism against God's people. That's why it says those who are not of God, they're of their father, the devil. Knows a lot about God, but chooses not to obey him. And so here, Paul is emphasizing that order, obeying the Lord in this matter is Important because the prophetic, as we looked at even last week, it turns us in worshipful obedience from the heart before Christ in all things. And when we gather, and even in this place, when the gifts are in operation, they shouldn't contradict God's own character, because if it does, it's not honoring to him and so what we're equally learning here is there is this beautiful outcome if you can wrap your head around this manual so to speak this etiquette there's this beautiful promise that as we gather together as we desire this authentic move of the holy spirit his spirit is poured out and there's not only peace and order but we're all built up we're edified we leave here change we leave here not the same Truly, when you come here on a Sunday afternoon or wherever else you enter into the time of the Lord, you should leave there different. In one way or another, maybe you've, you've been you know, reinforced in your faith, you've been built back up after maybe a loss and you've looked to the word and you've spent time in prayer. Whatever those things are, as you spend time in his presence, even as you gather with other believers, you're to be Edified and this blesses God, and so Paul is showing us here that this orderliness is not just because God wants to put rules in place to make our life difficult. Now, while this passage doesn't specifically mention Jesus, I can speak to two other examples from the New Testament where the principles outlined here are reflected in Jesus' ministry. On the churches I served in, right on the pulpit and a big plaque, it said, show them Jesus. And I've never forgotten that, that, that reminder that whenever you share and teach from the word of God or preach, you should always point people to Jesus. And so here we see in the Sermon on the Mount, You know, you're all familiar with this lengthy, wonderful discourse where he spoke of kingdom values that also included moral and ethical guidance to his disciples in the crowd on what is uh, proper etiquette for a follower of the Lord. Essentially, in the Sermon on the Mount, without going through the whole chapter, he was calling the Jews out, explaining, showing them they couldn't possibly keep the law in and of themselves. How could you possibly love your enemy without the help of the Lord? How could you possibly give to everyone who asks without expecting anything in return without the help of the Lord? And he goes on to say in Matthew 5.43, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you may be children of your father in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect." There's no possible way you can live out even that last command, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect without his guiding assistance and help. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, this is made possible. So we see in this sermon, we can see an example of this orderly teaching, this prophetic proclamation, uh, encouraging people to turn to the Lord, their source of life and strength. And Jesus spoke with this authority, addressing these various issues and offering insights on righteousness, love, forgiveness, prayer, that all aligned with kingdom culture. It wasn't outside of God's will and purpose for his people. That's why it was orderly. It was in line with the heartbeat of the Father. In fact, when Jesus cleansed the temple, as recorded in Matthew 21, he entered the temple area and drove out the money changers and merchants who engaged in dishonest practices in the very house of the Lord. They were engaging ways that was corrupt in the house of the Lord of all places. So Jesus calls them out on the corruption that had infiltrated the assembly he called them to turn from their error and return to proper practice in the house. And that involves worshipful obedience. He says, my house shall be a house of prayer. He says in Matthew twenty-one twelve, Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of thieves. Think about this for a second. You and I, when we think about this orderliness, this peace that we enjoy in Christ, we are the house of the living God. The word says that he dwells in us by his spirit. We're becoming this holy temple of God. By his spirit. And we're to conduct ourselves in such a way, following his empowering voice, which dwells within us. Think of this promise of scripture as we look at this orderliness. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, it says this, For we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will dwell and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ephesians 2.21, in him the whole building is being put together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So when you look at these two examples of Christ's ministry, his actions aligned with this concept of maintaining order, of righteousness and reverence for the house of God. Reverence for the house of the Lord. In both of these instances, he demonstrated these qualities of speaking the truth and even challenging the prevailing norms and practices of the day. And this is what prophetic words here do today. They challenge the norms and practices of today. But there's a time and a way in which we utter these words, these authoritative words in the spirit. And so as we look here at our main passage in verse 32... It says, and the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophets since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. What does this say to you? If you were to become introspective just for a moment, how is this speaking to you? Well, for me, first and foremost, it's showing me, it's speaking loud and clear that you are never out of control when the spirit falls afresh upon you. You are never out of your mind, for you can control when to speak. You can be orderly so that there is unity, the symphony in the house. You know, I was flipping through YouTube the other day. I'm not going to tell you the place, but it's brand new, and it's, uh, it's out there, it's online, and there was a gathering And I'm being very sensitive to this because the Bible says, you know, those who are for you, you know, are not against you. And so in this um, video, there are people gathering and desiring the things of God, which you can appreciate. But it went very quickly from desiring an authentic move of the Holy Spirit and, and gifts being poured out and filling his presence to it just becoming this carnal, fleshly roller coaster, if you will where people started to carry on, where they were talking over one another, falling over one another, unable to stop as someone's trying to give instruction. In fact, inappropriate affection to one another, an affirmation of certain even lifestyle choices right in that assembly. And one of them is a very, uh, um, not profound, a well-known ministry uh, of the supernatural. And this is all brand new. So Paul is reminding us that whenever the spirit of God manifests in the assembly, you're never out of control. I remember one time when the Holy Spirit fell so so powerfully in my life. I believe I've shared this before, but I was up at an altar and we were praying for each other and uh, the guest speaker who did operate had a track record in the prophetic had reached over and uh, had just gently touched my shoulder. And as he gently touched over, you know, I started to just feel this joy, this sense of joy, and I began to just have this, um, what I can describe as a a, a laughter, not thinking upon anything that had, you know, occurred in my life earlier in the day, just this spontaneous joy and laughter. But the moment when it was time for uh, another word to be given or to speak, I was able to contain what at first felt like an uncontrollable laughter. The best way I can describe an illustration here is that we are never out of our mind. We are never out of control. And so Paul's showing us, he's encouraging, especially those who prophesy, to speak one at a time, to be respectful of one another, so that we can be aware as the Spirit is moving and hovering and giving words to those sitting to your right and to your left. in your excitement to be of service, don't be quick to steamroll others. You know, this means, and if you have a message from God, you should also evaluate it before you speak it. Discernment is an important uh, skill for all of us, especially when we communicate what we believe the Lord has laid on our heart. And maybe you'd ask the question, how do I know when the time is right? Well, here, Paul is showing us You never have to be in a rush to disclose and share what's been put on your heart. He says again, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should evaluate. But if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophet's. And what I wrote down here, if I had it written down, I put it on my computer here, but it would just be, take your time. There's enough time. There's always time as you gather and as you share. And what he's also showing us here, this important factor of evaluation, is we need to be open to correction and willing to submit our message to the scrutiny of others in the assembly. Because as we looked at last week, as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. Evaluation is key. Is this word that you sent in the Spirit, you believe to be inspired by the Spirit of God, is it in line with Scripture? Don't neglect the evaluation of the word is given. So here's a practical step. If you're declaring, if you believe the Spirit of the Lord has moved upon you, before you utter that word, discern the word, And ask yourself, does this align with who Jesus says, I am? Does this align with who Jesus, how he speaks over his beloved? And if you're the recipient, make sure what they're saying over you is in agreement to the same. Does this align with who Jesus says that I am? You know, this is how we know if the word given is from one's own imagination or of the spirit. Does it declare freedom in Christ or does it speak enslavement? Does it empower the recipient to walk in that freedom? In Luke 4.18... Jesus says, This the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind and to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, release from captivity, recovery of sight, seeing the truth, the wealth of a relationship with God, being free from the oppression of sin and the the mastery, deceptive voice of the devil. This favor happens and moves whenever the Holy Spirit moves. This favor we're shown in 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them And was raised. That is in Christ. God was reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. It says in verse 16 From now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet now we no longer know him in this way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and passed away. And see, the new has come. Sometimes as you're in a gathering, you know, we're, we're human. Of <laughs> this flesh and blood experience that we're having in these earthen vessels. But at times, we may seek in of ourselves to seek attention by digging up a person's past. What I mean by that is sometimes when you gather, you could easily revert and believe you're hearing a word, but you start speaking to their former um, you know, existence and that things that occurred in their life, you know, shortcomings and errors and so forth. But the moment that they gave those shortcomings and errors to the Lord, they are forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, they have been bought by the blood of Christ, and so their history is no longer on trial here. And so as you give a prophetic word, it should build them up and not tear them down. But don't misunderstand me. Revelation can disclose what is hidden. There's one thing to say that you know of God, but you don't obey him. And so there could be times when you're gathering in the the place or maybe in this place, and the Lord gives you a specific word, a rhema word for a person sitting here where they have been masquerading in various choices and there's been error. So there are two different pieces here to look at. But at the end of the day, if a person is now in Jesus, Paul's showing us that we're to be sensitive to the moving of the spirit, to test and evaluate if this word is speaking to who they are now in Christ and does this edify them. The effect of grace. You know, one of the points we looked at earlier, the effect of grace should produce a change in us. This is something every day. I've referenced this before. When you look in the mirror, every day is a new day. You're going to notice something different about yourself. Even as much as you try and fight it, you're going to notice. The same thing happens with the grace of God. And Paul, who wrote about this orderliness, he also speaks saying this in 1 Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I've worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. This grace of God, even through a prophetic word, should produce a change within us. We see here earlier in chapter 14, verse 24, but if all are prophesying and some believer or outsider comes in, he's convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secret of his heart will be revealed and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. The manifestation, this grace, it teaches us, empowers us to live in this place, in these earthen vessels, because Christ died in our place. We can live in here in this place because Christ died in our place. Paul understood this so well, he also said to the Galatians in 2.20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This prophetic word will always affect Life transformation to the true life example of Jesus. This has made it so much easier for me whenever I'm in a gathering of believers or, you know, listening to keynote speakers and stuff. If it does not reflect the true life example of Christ, jettison it immediately. If it doesn't affirm what the scripture and what he says over you, don't listen to it, evaluate it test it. And this is why the continued activity of the agency of the Holy Spirit and this orderliness of the ministry of the spiritual gifts are so important whenever we assemble because life transformation, this regeneration to the image of Jesus is what it's all about. We've been saved, we've been blood-bought, but that's just getting out of the starting block. Now we're becoming more like him day by day and what was once impossible on our own is now made possible by the full affection power of the Holy Spirit and he's working through you as you're sensitive to the moving of the Spirit as you're sensitive to his sound counsel and what's honoring to him that will also allow the words that flow from your mouth to know when it's truly a word of the Lord when it honors him and reflects his character. And so if you're here today and you're taking away this you know orderly discourse a great passage of scripture that reminds us of this effectual change of the grace of God is found in Peter's address, or sorry Paul's address to Titus in the early churches that were being founded. He says this to young Titus, he says in chapter 2 verse 11, "For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts" and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if that wasn't enough, he finishes it off with this. For he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people for his own possession eager to do good works so what does this have to do with order and worship and gatherings the whole purpose of when we gather together we are to edify one another there's to be this orderliness and this peacefulness because it reflects with the character of god The spiritual gift of prophecy is a powerful tool. If you're here today and you operate in the area of the prophetic, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly or to be used for personal gain, but I don't want you to be dissuaded here today. Paul's words of instruction from the Lord are not meant to stop us or to keep us silent. At first glance, you could look at it and say, you know what? That's just a lot to remember. I think I'd rather bow out and just sit back and allow others to follow the manual, so to speak. But as we follow Jesus, his his words, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We can do this as we lean into the power of his spirit. Paul shows us prophecy is never meant to be used to elevate yourself above others or to gain power or influence in the church. And I'm sorry, you know, maybe even people watching that the misrepresentation of the gospel has gone out there where people would share and proclaim words but then use it to solicitate wealth. never about elevating ourselves. What Paul's saying is to be done out of love and to edify and to build one another. He says in in 14 verse 11 and 12, be zealous for spiritual gifts and seek to excel in building up the church. If our goal here today is to build one another up, to see each other edified, we are doing as, as Paul said, that to each of you has been given a manifestation of the spirit to produce what is good and so i encourage you here this afternoon hope for today this gathering of believers we believe in the operation of all the spiritual gifts and we desire the holy spirit to move in this place to have free reign as we desire his authentic move so keep these things in mind as you, you know go here today, before we come to a time of worship, the prophetic will always operate in line of scripture. Don't neglect evaluating the word given. Number two, the prophetic will affect life transformation true to the life example of Jesus. Jesus never got nutty. He did incredible things, people were amazed. He opened blind eyes and people were like, wow! But he was never nutso. Number three, in the excitement of being of service, don't steamroll others. There's more than enough time as you hear from the Lord to share and encourage others as the Spirit gives you utterance. And if you're here today, as we come to a close, if you desire this gift, Paul says, desire all the gifts, and especially that of prophecy, Seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Just be receptive to him. Come, Holy Spirit, fill my life. Thank you for the tools that you put at my disposal to build others up. Use me in the area of the prophetic. And remember the ultimate goal of prophecy, as with all the spiritual gifts, is to bring glory to the name of Jesus as our hearts are set ablaze with love for him, living in worshipable obedience, true to life example of Jesus. That's it, amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, oh God, we thank you for your word, your written word that we can glean from here this afternoon. We thank you, Lord, from the truth of your scripture that you are not one of disorder or chaos, but of order and peace. But Lord, when you move, when you move upon us so powerfully, we are amazed In in our feelings, in our emotions. We're moved and at times we don't know how to respond, but we thank you for your spirit that enables us and empowers us to not be out of control, to not be out of our mind, but to reflect you in all of our ways as we trust in you. As we lean into the moving of your spirit, would you have your way within us? In this place with every uh, with every head bowed and every heart, Lord, that's directed to you, would you fill them afresh, Spirit of God, with the gifts that you desire to unveil, that we would be this beautiful symphony of the spiritual gifts in action and love, building one another Help us to be sensitive to your leading, to properly evaluate every word, that we can grow into maturity that is you, Christ Jesus. We honor you this day. We honor you today. time we gather you are really truly